Uh, good evening. You're watching Stockwatch and joining me to unpack your stock-related questions this evening are Alex Days from Umtombo Wealth and Grant Nader from Benguela Fund Managers. Uh, be sure to send those questions via SMS to 41392. Email us at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. Thanks so much for your time, gentlemen. How things have changed in about a week, because last week, Thursday, uh, was actually the last time we saw green across the screens, and then everything just went downhill after that. Um, starting with you, Grant, um, yeah, do you think that this is just a short-term correction or is there more to the sour sentiment that we've been seeing over the past few days? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think what's what's triggered it is, is two things. One was the, the sterner Fed talk about the, the insistence on raising rates further and, and dampening inflation. So the market had been a little bit ahead of itself, I think, in terms of what they thought was coming in interest rate hikes in the US. And then we had a lower than expected um, stimulus from China in terms of their rate cut, uh, and and and, a, and similarly slower growth coming out of China. So that's led the resources lower on that front. So you've had these two quite big tailwinds, and I also think it's quite opportune in terms of timing to look at the U.S. markets and some of the overseas markets. They've had a big run, um, and it was almost a, a good time to take some money off the table. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm not sure that there's something sinister here. Yeah. We've expected all along a further slowdown in growth. I think everyone's aware of it in South Africa. Certainly the rest of the world is holding up better than expected. But, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to remain the case. Yeah. So I'm not that surprised by what we're seeing. Uh, talking about a good time because the U.S. tech sector, the Nasdaq, has had quite a good time um, lately. Um Alex, do you think that this is just that uh, that AI optimism dying down, or is it just the case of that there have been these steep valuations that now investors are just like, let's just take some profits right now? Yeah, good evening. I think Grant gave a very good summary there. Mm. Um, I think also from a, from a U.S. tech perspective, um, obviously the some of the tech stocks have rallied strong hard because they anticipate interest rates are going to come down. Uh, the Fed, of course, saying that interest rates are going to remain at these levels for longer. So I think that is a risk to valuations in the U.S. because they're ultimately driven by tech sector. AI, for example, which are exceptionally high valuations at the moment. Um, and then you, if you move into Eurozone, for example, I mean, look at the U.K. Inflation remains sticky. They've got another interest rate increase there. They're not finished yet. Um, and in South Africa, I mean, it's more about the own goals we've been scoring here, right? So things have been tough. Uh, but our valuations are compelling, but it will remain compelling while the rest of the markets globally also, I see got downside risk. So, I think, um, yeah, I agree with Grant said. I mean, we've had a good rally. Yeah. Nothing has really changed, but I think you know there are the risks of a, of a global recession is still really there, and as a result, equities will tend to underperform because earnings will come down, right? So, you have to find companies that you know got good solid valuations, good balance sheets, etc. Because those who do not have that will be exposed in such an environment. Ah, all right. Well, talking about uh, the uh, American stock markets, so there's a question here on the S&P 500 ETF. I have an offshore trading account and a local trading account. If I wanted to invest into the S&P 500, where there would be, uh, would there be any negatives buying them via the local Signia iTrix S&P 500 ETF rather than an offshore ETF like the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF? What would be the better option? Yeah. Grant? 
So I, the way I understand it, that S&P ETF in South Africa is a feeder directly into the global one. So the marginal impact is you're playing an extra layer of fees uh, and you're investing in RANDs, which is actually potentially a positive. If you haven't got as much money offshore as you would like, by buying that, you're getting dollar exposure uh, to that instrument. Um, and that's, you know, it converted immediately because it's it's in you buying it in RANDs. Yeah. Whereas if you buy it in offshore, in your dollars, you're using your offshore allowance. But economically, it's more or less the same thing. You would then, if you had to trans sell your S&P offshore and bring it back into RANDs, the effect would be the same at the end of the day. Uh, all right. Um, uh, Alex, I actually want to ask you a different question uh, because you were talking about the own goals uh, that we have been scoring in South Africa, load shedding being a very big impact. I want to zoom into Mr. Price that came out with its numbers, quite damp. Um, but that share price actually going in the opposite direction than what the numbers actually went. And I'm wondering, where's the optimism coming in for, 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 for Mr. Price? Is it, is it in the numbers? Is it in the outlook? What is it? Look, I mean, I think the share price has been under tremendous pressure to yeah. take a one-year view and so forth. And I think, and also if you look at the set of results, second half was very challenging. And it's probably going to remain challenging for at least another six to, who knows, 12, 18 months from here onwards. But they are investing quite aggressively into the business. If you look at the number of new space growth they're doing, it's very aggressive, 6 to 7% space growth. Uh, they've got relatively strong brands. It's also African businesses. So I think, you know, for those that perhaps are looking through the cycle and say, okay, I want to back three, five years view on, on Mr. Price, you're probably buying the business at a relatively attractive price. I think that's some buyers there. But certainly those marginal buyers or those that are more short-term orientated, I think will still probably sit on the sidelines. So I was a bit surprised by the market movement myself. Um, I thought it was okay at best. Uh, mm. Difficult to get excited about Mr. Price at these levels. But certainly I can see an investment case over a longer time, if you anticipate that the headwinds of the load chilling is coming down, base effects of interest rates are, you know, is absorbed, etc. Um, I think Mr. Price is still, for me, one of the better plays locally on, on, on the clothing retail space. Yeah. Um, Alex, surprised by the uh, share price reaction, but I mean, there are quite a lot of good things. I mean, you guys were talking about companies with good balance sheets, and I think um, mm. they, they have about 1.4 billion uh, rand cash on hand, uh, but also quite a few challenges because, as we know, they're a value player, and talking about how the promotions that they've seen mm. in, the, in, in the industry have really put pressure on their margins with the promotions that we're seeing. Grant, what's your take on Mr. Price? Well, it's one that I've, I've long liked as one of the better management teams in the business, and it trades at a premium to the peer group. I agree that so, a lot has been priced in, and all the retailers are trading well below historic averages. And if you look through the cycle, this is actually a very good buying opportunity, or at least a reasonably good buying opportunity. The risk-reward is starting to favor. But I would also wouldn't be surprised if some of the positive movement today was a function of maybe shorts covering. I think the retailers have been an easy short for the past six months. Uh, for all the hedge funds and the like. So that might have been behind it. I have some concerns around the core business in Mr. Price. I think they're losing market share. Uh, and I think some of their peers are outperforming them. So uh, I'm surprisingly concerned, actually, at what I mm. saw today. And I want to look a little deeper over the next few months and see what, what comes out of it. Ah, all right. Uh, well, talking about buying opportunities, there were quite a lot of um, people that were saying that with, tra with the fallen transaction capital, that that was a buying opportunity. So we have a question on that. Uh, one would have thought the institutional selling is done. However, it continues. 
I understand sentiment is at an all-time was at all-time lows. What, uh, in any shape or form, will or can be a catalyst to restore some price stability and upward momentum? Uh, why has management not? Oh, actually, no. I'll go into that uh, second part of the question later. But uh, any catalyst that could restore that uh, share price and and boost it, Alex? I think it needs to be careful. I mean, um, so transaction capital's valuation rating was never really high for, for a number of years. And then all of a sudden, since they bought we buy cars and you know, became very public in the face, it just caught the imagination of, of, of a lot of investors. And the valuation rating went to absurd levels. So I think some of those levels was in the past. You can, it's not going to repeat itself again. In the meantime, that management has done, the rotation has been tampered by what has happened. Um, so I think it's going to take time. I think a lot of foreigner sellers, also aggressive sellers, are off the stock. So now, almost in the corner where the investors sitting on sidelines say, listen, uh, we're unsure, we, we've been burned. Now it's back to management's hands to say, let's produce you know, a couple of good set of results. And specifically in SA Taxi, where they've made a lot of management changes we've seen over the last few days. And they need to get you know that business back in the black. Um, and at the same time, we buy cars, or eventually, I guess, get, get momentum. But they're in a difficult cycle now at the moment. So, yeah, I think it's just that it's business I've been burned, and you're going to require time. But be careful. Don't think because the stock traded at 50 bucks before it's going to get back to this rating again. Uh, I think there's a permanent destruction there to some extent. Uh, it's just not about... You know, if, if they can recover and to what extent can they recover. Ah, well, the second part of that question is, why has management not stepped in to at least do buybacks? Have they also lost faith? But would this not be the worst time to implement buybacks? And maybe as Alex was saying that the uh, valuation rating was at absurd levels last year, that maybe <laughs> that could have been a better time to do that. Uh, Grant? Uh, no, uh, in, in fact, I'm, I'm glad they didn't buy back shares. They actually issued shares when their valuations were much higher, which is one thing they did wisely. Yeah. But certainly at this level, they, they've had a significant balance sheet impairment as a result of um, SA Taxi. And I think the market wants to see them start using their capital wisely and, and show, you know, deploy it in, and show at least two or three results where they're actually moving the business in the right direction. But as Alex said as well, cyclically, it's a terribly difficult time for secondhand cars for credit for a number of things. And I think they'll, you know, be very careful buying this one. You know, if you're gonna play in it, have a small allocation uh, as almost a little bit of a punt, but wait and see. The market is going to say wait and see, and I think rightfully so. Yeah, uh, well, let's go into another uh, kind of troubled company, NAMPAC. Uh, what's the panel's take on NAMPAC? Is it a good stock to buy? The share has been stagnant uh, for a month now. Um, I guess quite rightfully so, because there haven't really been any significant catalysts since uh, their last uh, interim results um, in May. Uh, Alex, what do you think? I mean, there were quite uh, positive words that came out of the acting CEO in terms of what they plan to do with the restructuring. So what do you make of NAMPAC right now? Well, you're going to be zero or zero on this business, in my view. It's a very mm -hmm. binary outcome. Um, the balance sheet's obviously in a mess. They've got all sorts of you know, currency issues um, and getting extracting capital out of West Africa and the same time the local business on pressure and so forth. So the business case is very complex, lots of financial risk, a lot of operational risk, execution risk, etc. But I mean, there's obviously a lot of active activists and investors involved in there and, and full rule coming in with a big reputation of restoring business, of course, back in the day with um, Pioneer Foods as well as with, with AdCorp. So he's going to cut costs to the bone. 
he's going to try to put efficiencies up and obviously they need to raise the capital as well which is needed so there is a lot of potential variables at play here which has got high risk um so for me it, it's i simply not on top of all those factors to able to say with conviction i want to be in, involved in it we've looked at it a few times over the years and every single time we've stepped away it's been the right decision i'm not sure now at the moment we are probably still sitting on sidelines um but you have to do homework here or if you want to take a bet on this take a small allocation don't bet a house on this there's potential outcomes range is very very wide on your side uh grant what do you make of nanpac its prospects uh or would you say just like transaction capital it is also a wait and see game yeah definitely this stock has been restructuring for about 10 years now and you know it is very unclear what the outcome is going to be i i wouldn't even i wouldn't touch it to be honest and um yeah. it's it's not clear how where the value will lie how much is available in that what what even a, a good restructuring can do and as long as they have this african overhang and the state overhang it's just not the kind of stock that i, I think um anyone should be investing in with any long term time horizon um just sticking with you grant because also there's a um, a school of thought that also says because of uh, what nampak does they're too big to mm. fail um or is this mm. is that just does it not apply to nampak same as it, it does not apply to steinhoff so they may be too big to fail but that doesn't mean as a shareholder you will get any value out of it you know yeah. they can fail and keep the business intact and the equity holder gets left with nothing um it just as you see in a bank or yeah some of those examples so no that that may be the case i don't know i know it's a competitive industry and and there's a lot of packaging companies competing uh it, even if it is too big to fail doesn't mean you're safe yeah, so yeah. it wouldn't change my mind ah well I, um i know a lot of uh, analysts don't look at steinhoff but of course just maybe a few words if you have any um it's being dissolved now um, it's really really fought um since since that faith uh, that fateful day um and yeah stock was down 46% today of course of course no surprise standing at 6 cents right now i'm surprised that it's not even at zero mm-hmm. are there any last mm-hmm. words for you guys to say in terms of uh what's still left if there's anything there's six cents left <laughs> i would have hoped, uh, hoped by now that those who, who who were still in there would have got out there's been you know you've yeah. had a few years to um you know i, I think it would just be speculators and, yeah. and guys looking to feed off the carcass at this stage i'm hoping that's, that's the thing. case i don't know if that's a big grunt because there were there were quite a lot of people who were still left because we were still getting a lot of steinhoff questions um in the last mm. few months alex anything to say about steinhoff there Look, I mean, Steinhoff um, actually for a few times themselves really pretty much said to investors that equity values were zero, right? And and yet this investor keeps trading the stock. And remember, if you want to punt the stock now at six cents, one cents, two cents, you can still lose hundred percent of your money. Mm. Any of those prices. I mean, if you buy at one cent, you can lose hundred percent of your money. So be very, very. I mean, don't be careful. Don't be stupid. I think that's pretty much my answer. Yeah. If you've got any exposure, try to get out. It's simply not worth getting involved there unless you are going to be some sort of sophisticated investor which is going to take the battle to the courts trying to work out some form of you know um making sure that they the way they um sell the assets all in matter but for retail investors so they don't get involved now it just doesn't make sense ah mm. all right yeah. um well there's a question here on the uh, satrix gavi etf uh is it a good long term etf to add to your portfolio The graph looks to be quite stable over the last few years and the quarterly dividends are quite high. What is your view Grant? 
So that's invested in the, the underlying is the government bonds. So I think there's a lot of value in the government bonds. You're getting a real rate of return of three to four percent, um, depending on on what duration you're in. And it's as safe as you can get uh, if you put it as part of a basket in your portfolio. I think it's an absolutely. But remember, it's not a dividend that you're getting. You're getting um, a distribution, so it will be taxable income. Um, but I, I would definitely say it's a it has a place in a balanced portfolio. Yeah. If you're not invested in balanced funds, then by all means, buy buy some of that. Yeah. Um, there's value there, in my opinion. Uh, Alex, if you're going into government bonds, uh, would this be um, a good way to get in the Satrix Gavi ETF? Yes. Um, you know, as far as I understand, I'm not too aware of any ETFs that covers the Albi itself. I think only the Gavi. So um that is an option there obviously you can also go buy south african retail bonds um, as well i mean that's uh, also yielding quite nicely at the moment yeah. uh, another option of course is the namibian I and mean, you can buy etf on a namibian um, government bonds is also slightly yielding i think better in south africa and if that oil project venus happens in namibia you know knows maybe could have better economic prospects in south africa so that's also something to think about but i agree with what grant said uh, it, it offers a quite a reasonable compelling real yield at the moment but remember you're buying purely 100 percent government bonds here right so if the government does default or something happens they mm. you know the uh, risk is small but that is that is the risk when you buy that instrument uh, all right uh, well there's an interesting question um uh, slightly outside of my knowledge base um but thank goodness i have experts here with me i'd like to ask uh, our esteemed guests what they both think about etns and warrants uh, and whether or not they think these particular instruments are a safe investment given the backdrop of a high inflationary uh, environment. Uh, may they also suggest any to look out for. Uh, Grant, any insights there? Look, I think just to understand that what's in the ETN, you can get an ETN on any number of things, be it underlying stocks, be it commodities, be it currencies. So the inflation is not really relevant. What's in the ETN is the most important. Um, so make your decision based on that. And with regard to warrants, those are basically options um, really either for sophisticated investors or someone who's really having a punt but who understands what they're doing. So take the time to, to learn. Don't put too much capital in it. Keep your investment light um, uh, and, and only buy them. <laughs> Don't yeah. sell them uh, would, be, would be my advice. Um, so yeah, just, just do your homework before you play in the warrants. I think the ETNs are, are a very different prospect to to the warrants. Ah, anything to add there, Alex, on ETNs and warrants? Yeah, it's a bad for investor. I mean, if they're not aware of what options are available, I mean, you can go to ETF, SA.COSA, you know, disclose all the ETFs and ETNs there, like using different options that there might be some they don't familiar with there. But yeah, I agree with Grant said. Also, what only real risk, of course, with ETN is that wherever issues that you've got credit risk, right? So if you're buying from the bank, let's say Standard Bank, the only real risk the Standard Bank not going to honor that. A contract, but the risks are quite low there. Uh, but there's a difference between that and the ETN and ETF from that perspective. Ah, all right. Yeah, I agree 100% also with Warren's. Warren's, um, you know, it, it also tends to be issued by the companies itself, it tends to be um, more longer term and it's always dilutive, right? So it's not like, so whenever a warrant is exercised, they have to issue shares, etc. It's a sophisticated in instrument. It's not the one that's very popular these days. It used to be a lot more popular back in the day, but hmm. um, yeah, do you want to get involved in that?
All right, all right. Um, well, with things that I'm more comfortable with, uh, with a year uh, hindsight, it seems that the NASPERS buyback to close the discount that has paid handsome dividends. NASPERS and Process are up 60 to 70% uh, compared to a year ago, while Tencent is about 5% down. So are there any further growth prospects for them now? Grant? I think nothing has changed. The growth prospects for NASPERS and Process are really dependent on Tencent. It still represents all of their value, um, yeah. even though they still trade at a meaningful discount. And I think the outlook for Tencent is pretty solid. Um, their last set of numbers was positive. Things are reopening in China. Uh, Tencent is showing recovery in terms of its margin. Its gaming revenue globally is growing. So uh, I would my, my commentary... Aside from discounts and cross holdings and all the noise around the share buybacks, uh, the fundamentals for Tencent look pretty good, and therefore imagine the fundamentals for Nasdaq and Process look good too. Albeit that they have had a decent run, so just be aware of your of where you're buying it. Um, but yes, I think the prospects are decent. Yeah, I mean they did say in their last trading update that we can expect in their results um, that they get they got uh, lesser profits from Tencent. But of course, now, as Grant mm -hmm. mentioned, that we have seen uh, a recovery in Tencent in those revenues there. Um, and they also are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to uh, gaining profitability in their other businesses. Um, Alex, anything to look out for there with Nasperas and Process right now? Hmm. Um, it's a difficult one for me. Um, I've been in the markets now for about 15 years, and most of that time I was a bull on, on Nasperas. Um, for the time being, I'm a bit more on the sidelines. Um, you know, yes, Tencent's got a lot of optionality, right? So I think one thing that you can remember is they've got a lot of associate stakes that we can also sell on bundle, which can create a lot of value. Um, there's some very interesting business in there. The core business, I also saw that they finally were able to uh, get one of the gaming licenses through for the first time in a while. So that's a positive from that perspective. Um, but yeah, the Chinese regulation for me uh, concerns me. And, and, you know, it seems like where they're heading politically, it seems to be a bit more hardlined as well. Iron um, first type of approach. And those issues for me make me a little bit of concern. Mm. And then from an Aspers perspective, the, the corporate governance and the executive rumination is sickening um, what they're paying there. And um, I find it very difficult to, to accept. I mean, they actually gave themselves credit for narrowing the discount um, by buying back all these numbers and say how much value they created. I mean, mm. it's just rubbish. Mm. So for me, those things does a play impact on, on me. Um, but yeah, I can certainly go both ways, but for the time being, I'm a bit more on the sidelines. Ah, all right. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, well, uh, sticking with you, Alex, something that you're not on the sidelines on, your stock pick for today? Yeah, so I'm going for a stock that's not everyone's cup of tea. Uh, that's British American Tobacco. Um, so the last few shows, I've, I've picked quite a few South African ink stocks. They have rallied quite strongly of late. At the same time, the rand is also strengthened a little bit. I'm asking myself which rand head stocks looks good and you know coming down to bats. So bats is roughly about ten and a half percent down in, in rand terms or twenty-three percent percent down year to date in pound sterling terms. So that's quite a, a big movement. The recent trading statement in my view was was okay. Um, you should still expect earnings to grow by three to six percent in pound sterling. So that puts the business at a forward PE of less than seven and a forward dividend yield of close to nine percent. Which is very, very attractive uh, in your in bounds. And also, its 10 year discount PE is about 47%. So it's trading quite a discount the last 10 years. And I think also, some important that is BATS is currently focusing on reducing their debt. 
And as soon as they get to net depth, even about two and a half times, uh, they will start doing share buybacks. And I think this will happen in next, within the next 12 months. And buying shares at these levels, I think it's going to be very creative and could exactly be the catalyst which is required at the moment. Yeah. Uh, yes, sentiment is negative because of all the ESG investments and so forth, but I think it's in the price. And something has to give in some, because I think operation business is still doing quite well. All right. On your side, Grant, what are you hanging your hat on today? So I, I've, I still like a couple of the SA Inc. stocks, and I especially like those that are finding structural growth opportunities within the chaos that is this uh, world we're living in nowadays in South Africa. Um, and so today I'm going with Studio. Uh, I think their distance learning solution is gaining a lot of traction. Um, they're actually feeding off the Unisys carcass, to be honest. Um, I think that the operations there are, are, are struggling, and there's going to be a steady supply of students for years to come. We know there's a tertiary education shortage, so the demand is going to be there for a long period of time. Uh, and they're working on cutting their cost base and you know, closing some of their physical infrastructure, like Mill Park, and, and focusing on the distance learning, which will give them some nice operating leverage. Um, and they've got some structural growth. So it's a story I like. It's not... It's uh, very cheap, but I think if you if you take a long-term view, the structural growth will will come through for you. Um, and put it in the bottom drawer, I think it'll be a nice long-term play. All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for your time and for your analysis today. Appreciate it. And that's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guests, Alex Days from Umtomba Wealth and Grant Neda from Benguela Fund Managers. <laughs>